church. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. You can be seated. This is our testimony from death to life. My name is Braden Rodriguez. I'm our student 1825 pastor here at our Delaware campus. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, today is going to look a lot different, right? Two songs. Braden just comes out. No prayer. This is wild, right? I'm throwing you all for a loop. Hey, uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, thank you for being here. I want to offer a warm welcome to you and uh, point you to a resource that we've curated just for you. It's called lpguest.com. If you can pull out uh, your phone right now and go there and, and check that out. It's got a bunch of resources, message notes, and all of that good stuff, or you can scan a QR code in front of you. Uh, but at lpguest.com, what we want to do is get you connected the most meaningful way in the quickest way possible. And so if you go and fill out that guest information card, tell us a little bit about yourself. We can get you connected uh, super fast, or at least as fast as we can. So uh, this morning, as I said, it looks different. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open to Ro uh, Romans chapter 6. We're going to be just in the first four verses this morning. Uh, we've been in a series called New, and we've been studying the book of Revelation. And honestly, if you were here last week when we studied Revelation 13, you need a mental break like I do. So we're going to be in Romans 6. Sorry, I was about to kick that water over. It's not good. Uh, we're going to be in Romans Romans chapter 6. And here I want to tell you something this morning. This Sunday in particular has got to be one of the most exciting Sundays for, for me and for many people here. I would say like it's up there with Easter and Christmas, right? Like if Easter and Christmas are like Super Bowl Sunday in the church, I think this Sunday, Life Change Sunday, is just up there with it right? Because at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of our Savior. At Easter, we celebrate the death and resurrection of our Savior. And then this Sunday, Life Change Sunday, amongst all of our other baptism days, we celebrate people going from death to life. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to talk about baptism, and it's going to be an amazing Sunday. It's so exciting because in Luke chapter 15, you don't have to flip there, what we see is the reason why it's so exciting. In Luke chapter 15, you get these stories that Jesus begins to tell. There's this story of this shepherd who has not a hundred sheep and he loses one and he leaves 99 sheep to go and find that one sheep. And then you get this story right after of this woman who has 10 coins and she loses one out of the 10. Imagine losing 10% of your income right now, just lost it somewhere in the house. You'd freak out a little bit, right? I used to Dave Ramsey envelope system. I lost an envelope full of cash one time for my year's worth of insurance. I was stressed out, just needless to say. I found it, praise God. And so I swept the house upside down, and when I found it, man, what a, what a moment it was. And then you get the story of this lost son who goes and he spends all of his money, it says, on reckless living and prostitutes. But then he comes to his senses, he begins to come home, and his father sees him from a long way off. And here are the exciting verses, Luke 15, 7, in reference to the man who lost the sheep. And he finds it. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The reason it's so, it's so exciting is because what these stories represent are lost people coming to know God for the first time in relationship. You continue on in verse 10, the woman who finds the money. Just so I tell you, therefore is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who comes to repentance. Verse 32, the lost son comes home, the father receives him in. It was fitting to celebrate. He throws a huge party, slaughters the fattened calf. He says it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. 
we get to celebrate today people going from death to life, people who were lost and now who are found. This Sunday, as, as far as baptism is concerned, it's unlike any other baptism Sunday that we do. Typically, we have uh, people sign up before and come and be baptized, and we do that this Sunday. But if you've been here for any amount of time, uh, if you were here just a couple of years ago, this is the Sunday in which anyone who professes Jesus to be the Lord of their life, who has not been baptized uh, by immersion yet, you can get baptized today. And I know what you're saying. Well, like, Braden, I didn't bring any clothes. We have clothes for you undergarments for you. I don't have makeup wipe removers. I, that was a, a, a logistical piece that I was lost on me, right? We have makeup wipe removers. We have ponytails. We have deodorant. We have towels. We have everything for you. You might say, hey, Braden, I just don't know. All right, I just don't know about baptism. I don't, I don't know what all of that looks like. What does that mean? Who, who do I talk to about that? At any point in the service today, if you stand up and go out those back doors, and you can do that, by the way, I would encourage you, get up. That would be the best interruption to this service today is to get up, go out those doors, and there are people out in our lobby waiting to talk to you about what does that look like? What does it mean for your life? They will walk you all the way through our hallway. They will walk hand in hand with you if you need it. And they'll bring you to the place where you have clothes and a changing area and all of it is ready for you today. Well, Brayden, what about, what about my family? My family, they, they wanna be here, uh, all of this stuff. We're gonna record it. And you're gonna be able to show your family and I guess the rest of the internet what Jesus means to your life today. And that's what we're doing today. This is a reason to celebrate for brothers have gone from death to life. This is a reason to celebrate because sisters have been lost and now they have been found. If there was a main point of the text in Romans 6 today, I would say it's this. For the believer, baptism is a picture of what Christ has done. For the believer, baptism is a picture of what Christ has done. Let's pray before we read Romans 6. Father, we love you. We give you all the glory and honor for you're the only one worthy of it all. Our testimony is that you have come and sacrificed yourself in our place that we might be forgiven and that we can go from death to life. Father, today, would you give us the boldness to make next steps and to follow in obedience? Father, today, would the seed of your word take deep root in our heart and would it produce 30, 60, and 100 fold? And as the old prayer says, God, what we know not would you teach us and what we are not would you make us what we have not? Would you give us all for the sake of your son, who is our savior? Amen. Romans chapter six, verse one starts with this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Before we jump into the rest of the text, I wanna start here in verse one and pull out two major themes. What we get is this question, right? If those, if us who say that we believe, should we then continue on in sin so that grace may abound? We'll answer that question in a moment, but the two key themes I want to draw out here at the beginning of this text is this, is one, sin brings death. Sin brings death. If you go back into the Hebrew of the word sin, I don't know how to pronounce it, but if you were to go look at that word, it carries some connotations of archery, that there's a target that is set up and the archer would, would aim and he would fire. And if he missed the mark, that word carries connotations, it's like sin. It's when we miss the mark. It's when we don't uh, uh, fulfill our intended purpose. Imagine if there was a clock right here and you'd be, you know, digital or analog, depending what, what you want to read. But imagine if it didn't even tell the time. 
It's not fulfilling its purposeful design. It is in sin. So what does that mean for us? That when we begin to look at God's law and what God's standard is, and we take the arrow and we try to fire, we miss. We're missing the mark in which God has set before us. When we are created, we are created to worship God and to follow him, to have relationship with him. But ultimately, we live in sin and we do not fulfill our intentional, purposeful design. That we're like a broken clock in which doesn't read time. Sin, falling away from the mark in which God has set for us, not fulfilling the design and following him. In the book of Romans, what we're going to see is that Paul pretty much says, hey, every single one of you has sinned. In Romans chapter 1, Paul begins to speak to Gentile and Greek uh, people, and he says, all of you essentially are destitute sinners, right? And you're thinking, all right, sweet, if I'm a religious person and I don't have all of these pagan gods, I'm scotch-free. Romans chapter 2, he turns his attention to the religious and to the Jew, and he says, hey, all of you Jews who think that you can work your way to God, you all are filled with sin, and you're in the same destitute sinner boat with all the Greeks and the Gentiles. He says there's level playing field, that we all have sin in our lives. And guess what? In Romans chapter 3, he's going to say, for uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and the wages of those sins, everything that you have done up until this point, sin-wise, has earned you death. No matter if it was a little white lie or grandiose murder, it has procured death for your soul. That sin has come in to all of us and none of us are standing blameless before God. Romans chapter 5, 12 through 14 says it this way. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, the death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. So he's saying God brought this Mosaic law. There was even sin before the law was created. He says, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. What he's saying is at the beginning of creation, there was this man who was perfect, and he lived in perfect harmony with God. He had a wife. Her name was Eve. And this first man and this first woman fell. They did not fulfill their intended purpose. They missed the mark in which God had set out before them. And because of that, this is, this is this term that we call original sin. That from that sin of Adam, from therefore, from the generations, the next, and all the way until the end of eternity, the curse of sin has pulsated through all of creation. That every man to be born would be cursed by the first man, Adam, because he sinned. And now sin has entered into our lives, but that's not the only theme that we see in verse 1. He says, do we continue on sinning so that grace may abound? The second thing that we see is this, is that grace abounds. That if sin brings death, there is a grace that abounds to bring life. What is this? Why is this? How is this? Romans 4, 21 through 25, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith, talking about Abraham, was counted to Abraham as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him was not just written for Abraham's sake alone, for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, Jesus, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up 
for our trespasses and raised us for our justification. If he says there is a sin that creeps in, there is a grace that it can abound more. There can be a grace to cover the multitude of sins. He gives this example of Abraham. He says Abraham couldn't do anything to amount to righteousness with God other than one thing, and that was to believe. Believe in what? Believe that he could have right relationship with God, knowing that God can bridge this gap. And it says it wasn't just for his belief that he, uh, it says, was counted as righteous. It says it was also for our sake that post the cross, when Jesus was resurrected, now we can believe in him, in Jesus, the work of the cross, so that we might have life and that grace can come in. Romans will say it this way. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you believe that God died and then rose from the dead and you make that God the Lord of your life, it says that you will be saved, that grace floods in, that grace comes with abounding measures. It says where sin abound, grace abounded the more. No matter one sin, a million sins. There's, if it's a million, it's a million and one graces that it abounds heavier and deeper than any amount of sin that could come into your life. Those who believe in Jesus, Romans 5, 15, he'll say this, but the free gift is not like the trespass. So he's continuing on. He said, sin entered in through one man. Verse uh, 15 continues on. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one's trespass has brought condemnation, but, this, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of, the right, of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What is he saying? He said, just as sin entered in through one man, Adam, and it brought the curse. He said, Jesus comes, the new Adam, and at the cross, when he died and then came back to life, he took the sins of those who would believe upon his shoulders. He was pressed and broken for our sin and for our iniquity, and at the resurrection, those who would believe, and for the rest of eternity, who would believe, it says, grace pulsates through their veins now that the curse of sin could be stripped away and that the promise of new life could come. And it says that we stand justified. There's legal demands of our sin, right? We already said it. What we have earned from the sin is death. And in the courtroom of God, this is what we have earned. And yet Jesus stands in front of us and says, no, they're wiped clean. I'll take the death for them. It says in Colossians that he, Jesus, would take sin and the legal demands of it and nail it to the cross. That Jesus has come to die in our place. And so the question is, so then should we continue on sinning so that we get more grace? Verse 2, by no means. For those who come to know Jesus, by no means don't continue living in this way. How can he who died to sin still live in it. Church, listen to this. This is not a call to perfection, but it is a call to the most holy, perfected one. Hey, don't just keep on sinning so that you have this excuse to get more grace. Don't abuse the very grace of Jesus and the justification of Jesus. Go on and living now in your rightfully made purpose. 
Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that uh, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might, too, walk in the newness of life. This is the truth, and you can write this down this morning if you'd like. Take a picture. If we have known Christ as believers in him and his work, then we should be baptized, and that baptism means that we have died to sin and live in Christ. Remember what we said for the believer, baptism is just a picture of what Christ has done. What Christ has done inside of us, is this is the picture of baptism. So if we've known Christ in a real way, we know him, have relationship with him, we believe and know his work at the cross is true, then therefore we should be baptized. There was an expectation of the early church that was set by Jesus himself. Early on in Jesus' ministry, before he begins to start doing all of his public stuff, he goes down to John the Baptist and he says, I need to be baptized. Our Savior shows that at his baptism, there's going to be something to follow into and he's foreshadowing his death. Right? When Jesus is plunged underneath the water and brought back above by John the Baptist, this is a picture of what he would do at the cross and the tomb. He would be plunged down into the grave for three days, and that he would then rise again. And then Jesus immediately begins to start to preach, repent, turn. The kingdom of God is at hand. The New Testament call is to repent and be baptized. Repent, believe in Jesus, turn from your sin, be baptized. Jesus would say it this way in the Great Commission, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And we love that part, right? We get to go and make disciples. But then he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always until the end of the age. This is a command of our Lord and Savior Jesus that, that we would follow into. It was the expectation of the early church to when they start following Jesus to be plunged under the water to show what happened on the inside. Yes, it mimics the cross, right? Jesus going down and being raised again, but it shows a picture of something much more. It shows the picture of what happens inside the man, the spiritual baptism, so you will. When you begin to follow Jesus, it says there's this old stone heart that is brought to flesh. That there was this old man who was full of sin and was destitute. And it says that man has died. And it says, behold, you're made new. This new creation comes. When you are baptized, believer, and you're plunged into the depths of the water, it is a picture of that old man stays down in the grave. And there's this new creation because of Jesus. We are raised to walk in new life. We are made new through Jesus. And this is the reason we have to celebrate. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. Raised into life with Jesus. And this is the reason we say, if you have followed Jesus and you said, I follow him, that today is for you. If you have not yet been baptized, today is the day. Follow into obedience and what Christ has asked. Maybe there's a few different camps of us here today. Maybe you say, hey, that's good news. I need to know this Jesus who can wash away all of the sin and wrong that I've ever done. It says in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians, today is the day of salvation. You can make that decision today. 
and be baptized today. The folks out in our lobby are ready for that, to talk you through that decision. What does that decision look like now and forever? Maybe there are some of you who have been saved for some time and you've not stepped into obedience yet. Today is for you. The call to obedience, repent and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's some who are like me. I came to know Jesus, but I was baptized before. Not as an infant, but as, you know, a, a young uh, kid closing in on his preteen years. I was baptized. A couple of years later, I give my life to Jesus, and I felt the call to give my life uh, in obedience to Jesus Christ and baptism post being saved. That I knew that that baptism that I had at first ultimately was a lie. Because to, to get baptized before conversion is to say this. Hey, Jesus died for me, and I'm a new man. Before my salvation moment, I was not a new man, a new child. And so when I came to know Jesus, he called me to follow in obedience. And so at 13 or 14 years old, after being saved, I, I said, hey, Jonathan, who was my youth pastor at the time, I said, man, I need to get baptized. I need to get this thing right. I put the cart before the horse. I need to get this thing right. And maybe there's this fourth camp. And this one may be the most sensitive in the room, but maybe unlike my story where I was baptized uh, as a child, right, you know, and all of that, maybe you were baptized as an infant, right? At the desire and the, and the, and the hope of your parents, you were baptized as an infant or christened as an infant. And, and here's the deal. We think that's an amazing aspiration for parents, that we, that we believe, yes, that your parents wanted you to follow Jesus in faith, and many of you do. But we believe there's a call from our Lord and from the New Testament scriptures to be baptized once saved. I'll say this, my daughters, right, as lovely as they are, three years old, their sin nature comes out. The disobedience, the sin, I see it rise up in them. And they don't know any better, but they're acting according to their nature. And ultimately, though my daughter's sweet and precious and lovely, one day they will need to know Jesus in a real personal way. I could want them, and I do want them, to follow Jesus with everything that they have. But ultimately, one day, the decision will fall into their hands, and they will have to choose to whom I will serve. Will I serve my own nature or will I serve the one whose grace abounded the more? And that's ultimately the decision we all make. I'd ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes with me and think, pray for a few moments. If today you say, I wanna, I wanna follow Jesus for the first time, this is a heart decision. There's no magical words that I could say for you to repeat. This is a heart decision. It's belief that Jesus died and rose again. And you believe that he did that for you to cover your sins. And then you say, I will follow the Lord Jesus for the rest of my days. Would you make that decision today? Again, there's no magic words that you could repeat after me, but would you say something along those lines? Jesus, I believe in the work of the cross and I'm ready to follow you. Maybe there's some of you who need to make a step of obedience today. 
would you ask Jesus right now to give you the courage and the boldness to do so? Father, we love you. We praise you, God. We ask that you would move in us today. God, we ask that many would come to know you for the first time and to believe in you for the first time. And for those of us who need to follow into obedience, maybe we've delayed obedience up until this moment. Father, would you strip all of our excuses away, all of fear, all of anxiety away, and would we follow in this call, in this moment? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.